Hello and welcome to the Statsbomb World Cup podcast with me, James York, and World Cup Fever. That's my official name. Maybe it's my <laughs> DJ name. I don't know. Okay, Mr. Fever. Great to have you on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of the World Cup. It's too much now, Ted. It's just it's ground me down. It's relentless. <laughs> it really but is. the first round's already over, and that, that was what I told my son this morning. I was like... <laughs> I cannot believe it's gone this fast. Like we're already into the next set of games. Slow down. Yeah, the, the pace will eventually ease up, of course. Um, not yet. Well, then you just end up sad. You, <laughs> you look, you look a little bit forward to like the exciting group, or not group, but knockout matches. But then you're just sad that you don't have this amazing bevy of games every single day. It's like a holiday romance or something, isn't it? You get, you get swept away with it for the first few days, and then eventually you got to come home. I've never work. had a holiday romance, James. I don't, I would, I don't um, think I have, but you know, I'm, I'm aware of the concept. <laughs> I'm a happily married man. Anyway, right. <laughs> so what are we going <laughs> to? What are we going to do? Well, we we've already ruined the podcast, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the World Cup, so let's do that. Yeah, uh, we just want to talk about like the big teams and what we think about them because that's obvious. And then set pieces. Or set plays, depending on which side of the <laughs> standards. That's what, standard situations. That's what the Germans call them. Oh, there we are. Then so it's different names all around. Just nothing's. It's not all right, all wrong. Okay, and uh, then yeah, a couple of little bits, and then we'll get out of your hair because there's so many World Cup podcasts these days. We can't really, can't really drone on for hours. So anyway, oh, shut up, James. The people have demanded this. We asked them. They said <laughs> yes. Obviously, you need to do it. Daily would be better. And we're like, no. <laughs> it's like all right. Uh, at the end of the round. So here we go. Let's get started. All right, here you go. So, best team and best manager in the World Cup, England and Gareth Southgate. Unarguable, I think. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, right? <laughs> the best team that I'm not so sure about. But is it possible that Gareth Southgate could be the most creative manager in the World Cup? He's created... They were really well prepped. Like, really, yeah. really well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen this from Southgate before, really. I mean, like, to find a team that's, like, got, uh, like, an emphasis on pressing the opposition and uh, and a system that they stuck to throughout 90 minutes, they didn't panic and start, you know, just lobbing the ball forward. So to have, like, that kind of naturally enticing open play game model, The kids like him. The media likes him. It's, it's a little weird. And, uh, and... Full on like Allardyce Pulis set pieces on top of it. Though those were like really actually impressive. Like sitting there as you know, some might not believe this. <clears throat> In certain club circles, they might have uh, actual troll accounts despite blocking them, complaining about my analysis of set pieces. But nevertheless, <laughs> I have done this professionally, and they were shit hot. They were like really good set pieces. They were well prepped. You could see the plan. They created difficulties based on what the the opposition defense was giving them. Um, and then the defense had to adjust, and they still managed to overcome that. And partly because like it just didn't look like Tunisia had anybody to handle Harry Maguire in the air very well. Um, and in fact, England's players were just so much better in the air that Tunisia basically had to resort to Greco-Roman wrestling and, uh, and <laughs> MMA-style takedowns in the box in a number of occasions, and they still won the ball. So like that was the insane part. Yeah. But, yeah, it's good prep. It's, it's all on the coach there. Like that's that's not team based. Like that is clear coach prep, and they were ready. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like I was thinking about England's team, and I was a bit worried about like Maguire and Stones and Walker as a back three, and then maybe that'll still come come home to roost somewhere along the line. But then you kind of understand it's like right, they they can all pass a bit. 
You know, that's why you haven't got Cahill in there. That's why Chris Smalling isn't in the squad. Because that's why he doesn't want that from his centre-backs. This is thoughtful stuff. I mean, <laughs> Gareth Southgate is just... I don't know, you know, you just take that... It's only one game and it's only Tunisia, but... like Kyle Walker that, is occasionally less thoughtful. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> but, but then he's in there with his speed. He's got speed, so like you know, there's there's that angle. But like you know, every single slot in the in the team, you can kind of see some logic behind it. And, They're also young. Yeah. And but like when we say young, so this is the thing. Like I, God, the World Cup is just unbelievable for people just batting things back at you in nonsensical ways. So um, we'll get to this game. But I was talking a little bit about the age curve. And uh, and people are like, oh well, you know, those players aren't very old, uh, referring to players that are 28, 29, and 31. And we'll we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, but I'm like, they're football old. Like people don't understand what the age curve actually looks like. England have a very tight age curve, and it's all in peak. Uh, yeah. And it's actually it's actually quite impressive because like you figure that this is a relentless tournament. You do get worn down. Um, it will be fairly hot and has been. Like their first match was definitely hot. Like any little edges that you can give yourselves, and they they picked a, a good squad. It's not like they left anybody sort of like hugely glaring out of the squad. Like a certain team that we will still talk about in a moment. <clears throat> so yeah, England looked good. They looked sharp, and their manager and and head coaching or coaching team looks competent. The one thing I'll say about the England side is, uh, why can't anyone take a direct free kick? <laughs> Young and Trippier standing over direct free kicks is. Yeah, it's not great. But anyway, well, I mean, the other the other weird wrinkle is is that they're using Young for deliveries on the right, and then they use Trippier for deliveries on the left, but taking his right foot, and they've got one set of in swingers, one set of out swingers, mm. which is a bit odd. I mean, it works for them there, but it's not fully ideal. Anyway, uh, yeah, so good first England match. We're going to skip on past that because you guys have been overwhelmed with England coverage, and we're going to come to a slightly more troubled big club. Big club. <laughs> countries, Ted. Countries. Oh, sorry. Wrong thing. <laughs> the Germans. The Germans, yeah. They're fine, Ted. There's nothing wrong with the Germans. Um, That midfield was not fine. That no, was no. that was <laughs> the midfield I was talking about. So yeah. 28, 29, 31. Kadira doesn't look like he's got the legs anymore. And he's had some injury problems. Um, But yeah, it was like really missing a six, but also like just missing like some tactical sense. And, and Hummels like lit them up in the, in the media afterwards. Really, you know, straightforward smart analysis saying when some people go forward other people have to go back and i've highlighted this before and i don't know why no one's listening to us but i think it's it's kind of a bigger issue in that like mexico could counterattack and they were quite good at it like check Lozano uh, is quick i'm not sure the other mexican forwards were quick but they were good enough um but yeah like you can't you can't leave boateng and hummels on an island all the time and expect them to succeed like we've seen that at it just nobody does that. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know what it felt like to me. It felt it felt like it felt like Germany just presumed we're we, we're Germany. We're Bayern Munich. We can just like you know crush whoever we play against. And it's like, well, <laughs> we've already proven that's not the case. You, you know, it, we're not it did great. feel it felt a little arrogant. Mm. Um, now I'm not saying it was. Um, and you know maybe maybe low thought that. I mean, this is a guy who's won a World Cup. There's a squad that's basically won a World Cup. I think that might also be an issue, right? It's not the same squad as 2014. Like, these mm-hmm. players are not the same players. They, they have the same names, and they, you know, some of them say they're the same teams, but they don't have the same abilities. Their bodies are different, and you have to adapt to that over time because, like, that midfield, like, maybe Kadira and Cruz in that role in 2014 made sense. 
but now when they're four years older, like it doesn't make sense and it, it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, I've heard that Ozil might shunt wide and heard like certainly you can change up the, the midfield composition, not play a ton. Um, yeah, you got to do something to, to lend stability and, and just not get counterattacked constantly because teams have seen this now. And if you allow them to do that, and Germany have kind of a natural inclination for that attacking style, like they will come at you and you know, we'll see if the same same thing happens again and again. Yeah, I mean, I thought Kadira was um, he was shaky at the Euros two years ago, so it's interesting that he's kind of rolled up still in the team and, at, like I said, 31. I mean, it's funny, that generation that, that came through, Ozil, Cruz, Neuer, um, Kadira, uh, Boateng, like they, they came through in 2010, and they were all like 20 to 23. Then they, um, you know, they obviously won the World Cup when they were <laughs> 24 to 27, and now they're yes. all 28 to 31. And there you go. That's, you know, that's, that's basically the Muller, Muller as well. That's the core of that team. And it's kind of all, they've all aged together, and they'll probably all go on too long, and it'll take ages to get them out of the team. And that's the nature of things. To give them some credit, you know, they easily could have tied the game late on that Gomez sort of open hutter. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not as if they were bad. There were lots of chances. <laughs> they there, were, there were lots of chances. I think the models didn't, well, not all the models uh, picked up uh, picked up them as doing that well, but I think on the balance of play, like, Germany would get something out of that game most times they played it. Um, uh, yeah, we have, like, three quarters of the time they win it, so... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, for, for sure they were too open at the back and Mexico exploited it specifically down the, uh, um, the German right side, but... Yeah, it's not so bad. I mean, this is this is the fun thing. Like you know, all these teams you look at, and there's there's, there's nobody that's just come out and you say like, "Yep, they've cracked it, they've got it." <laughs> Who do you want to run next, Ted? That's, that's Germany, I think. How about the the fighting Leo Messi's? <laughs> He's the only player on that team, right? Oh my god, yeah. Well, that's that was interesting, wasn't it? Because he came up with a legendary shot chart of just like a lot of things, ten shots and a penalty, and barely barely getting in near the box. And they took a ton of chances, but that felt like that felt if uh, you know if um, if Germany were a bit I don't know Bayern, then Argentina felt a bit viish boas <laughs> as far as <laughs> it was trying to get in behind was a bit of a problem for them. And uh, well, I mean Iceland just do that to teams. Yeah, that's very true. What I found amazing was like Iceland just stopped attacking. Mm. <laughs> like their last shot is about the fiftieth minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that. No, that's fine. We'll just write this out. <laughs> we're we're Vikings. We want to stay here for a while. Go ahead, try and break us down. <laughs> but it's, Argentina. I mean, all all the kind of concerns people had before the tournament about like their, their squad being a bit like I don't know. You, you figure that, haven't, haven't Argentina got better players in certain positions? And is this the right squad to go with? Uh, that's certainly an open question, and mm. like that's been an argument at home as well. Like, Twenty-seven shots though. Uh, all of them pretty much ice blue in our in our color chart. <clears throat> very few, <laughs> very few good high quality shots. Um, tons of blocks as you would expect. Like basically, so are Iceland Sean Dyche's team? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> He'll be sitting there proudly at home thinking this is this is good. This is excellent, excellent. Ah, <laughs> uh, good on him. He's but, not at home. Come on, he's on the beach. Like this is the only beach time they get, right? Yeah. That's um, so, yeah, I mean, Iceland are, are tough to play. They stymie teams constantly. Um, Argentina had 27 shots against a decent team. Yeah, they're not good, but it's hard for me to say that they're not good enough to get through to the next round and cause some real problems for other teams. Yeah, right? 
they are wildly talented up front, just stupidly so. And they have they have depth off the bench too. Yeah, that's very true. They do have not you know world class options to to bring on to, to try and turn a game if they need I mean, to. To be absolutely fair, like look how <laughs> look how dumb that bench is. They've got Pavon, who's actually good and and was rumored to come to to Europe this year, but hasn't yet. Uh, Iguain, you know, whatever you think, but Ego's on the bench. Um, <laughs> there's some guy I don't know if you heard of him. His name's Dybala. <laughs> he didn't get in the game. I know, yeah, <laughs> this this is funny. And not to not to throw it too Those far. Celso's on there, who I think PSG own. <laughs> just yeah. Not to throw it too far back to England, but that's that's something that you just can't say about the England England team. I, I mean, funnily enough, we were watching the watching the game the other night, and it was like, right, who can they bring on to change it? And I was trying racking my brain. It's like, well, they got Rashford, um, Vardy. And then it was like, yeah, who else is? It was like, oh, right, yeah, no, they've uh, <laughs> perhaps to Eng- England need to think about squad depth the next season, make some signings. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm in traditional mode, right? Um, so that's Argentina. The thing is, all these teams really—they're they're probably fine, but you know, there's little little holes in them, and that's that's why it's hard to just say, even even with one game, hard to say. This team's got it all. Have Spain Brazil. got it all, Ted? It's all Brazil. <laughs> you take your pick. <laughs> well, I was going to do Brazil because, like, it's sort of in a similar vein, right? Yeah. Um, you see, teams even even English match went very much like this: a very dominant early, and then they adjust, and all of a sudden, after the adjustment, it doesn't look dominant anymore. And whose fault is that? <laughs> and you're like, the fact they dominated it all puts them in like the top eight teams in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like most teams didn't dominate. Most teams had had some some real struggles at various points, or you know, a back and forth game. Um, so Brazil's match like early dominance, and then you know Switzerland are also tough to play against. Rarely lose. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of talent up front, but like pretty decent. Across the the midfield and the and the back line, uh, some good young defenders actually, uh, or well, not young anymore. I guess Char's not young, but um, so yeah, is that is that like you know Brazil's fault for not being awesome? Is it some other reason? I don't know. Like, but yeah. it was a fine start, I think. Uh, they didn't really give up much. So if you think that normally they might score a few goals, maybe they should focus a bit on set pieces. And you know, this is this is actually a thing. Like England got through that game not via open play scoring and if England hadn't been sort of pretty pretty focused on set pieces like that game could have been a disaster but instead it's a victory and they get the three points and they go through um you know these big teams you know everybody's out to stymie you here and you're not as fluid as you are in a club uh environment because everybody doesn't play together all the time and you don't work on those patterns and it's just harder it just is um so for for Brazil for an Argentina you know guys have amazing attack but can't get the super high value, you know, almost definite goals, shots very near the the box. Like that gives you another element that you can work on and you can improve. And uh, and that you know, all you need is one goal most of the time. Like one goal completely changes the complexion of a match. We are super here for teams working all the edges, aren't we? You know, let's let's not make any bones about it. I, I mean, this is just what we do. Like we <laughs> we look for edges, we try and find new ones, we 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 actually do research into ways to play that give you better edges. Like this is professionally what we have done and what I have done for five years now. And if you're not maximizing your edges, you're leaving stuff on the table. And you know, most of these teams 
like they have money to spend like they like at the federation level you know it doesn't go far enough down well like you're probably spending plenty of useless money too they like did i i gave a talk in barcelona last week for the the Cruyff institute and the end of it was uh was about you know it was like a, a 90 plus minute talk it was kind of overwhelming uh but it worked because they they asked lots of questions and and the last slide in there i think is is uh all right now how the hell do i pay for this like, how the hell do I go through and, and start a data-driven process approach? And how do I cover all the, the money that's going to cost us? And the answer is that, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of, well, I've talked to lots of football people over the years. And, and one that I, I thought was really funny was he's like, yeah, we could do this for about the same amount that it would cost us to pay our third-string goalkeeper. And the fact of the matter is, we never want our third-string goalkeeper on the pitch. Like we never want this person to play. We think that they would probably negatively impact our performance to a fairly high degree. We pay this guy something like twelve to fifteen thousand pounds a week. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's that's an entire analytics department, and then you know you could flesh that out too. And like, how much is your twentieth outfield player worth during the course of a season? And the cool part was like, I'm in Barcelona, and I asked this question. I was like, so um, can anyone tell me who Barcelona's third-string goalkeeper is this year? And I was like. No, I have no idea. Not even a guess. Who's, taught, <laughs> who's Tottenham's third string goalkeeper? Who's Tottenham's goalkeeper? That's a good question. I can't remember. <laughs> oh no, I can. It's um, it's Gazinga. But okay. yeah, no, it's fair enough. He, he played once. He played really well actually. But yeah, he played once last season. Yeah, and uh, Real Madrid is is a very similar one. It's a little easier because the the guy's name is actually really really famous. <laughs> the third string goalkeeper for Real Madrid has the last name Zidane, so that one is a uh, is a little easier to do. When, when but the, that's, that's the point. How do you how do you find the money? How do you find the budget to be able to to do this type of stuff? And and the answer is you it doesn't it isn't that hard. You just need to actually be a little bit clever about things that have almost no impact on your on your club or your team or your federation, and then things have a lot of impact. And and this is that type of thing. Yeah, cool. Um, for just quick throwback to Brazil there. I mean, I, I do wonder if there's a little lackadaisical element in Brazil's like prep. Mm, that may be a little bit harsh because, as you say, Switzerland are, are fine, and you know you're not going to win every game. And Brazil put up plenty enough, but you know that's a kind of recurrent theme. So many World Cups, so many times you expect Brazil to come out firing out the blocks and just entertain and demolish everyone in front of them, and sometimes they do and sometimes it doesn't quite get there it's true so, but this is definitely a better brazilian team than 2014 which is ironic that yeah. was at home. it's amazing i can't i look looking back at that recently it was like oh my god it was neymar and nothing neymar and some hamburgers they, up front. they didn't like this they is... didn't take any of the good young attacking kids they had like a lot of old dudes up front uh, it was just a disaster they're def- funny. Their centre backs are really old, aren't they? Which is something you could say about Portugal. We can move to Portugal, Spain now, because that was that was that was the Germany game was excellent. I possibly the Portugal Spain game was the the uh, game of the tournament so far. That game was unreal. <laughs> was, that was just you know let's let's get the World Cup going. Here we go. Ne- never stop being awesome. I, I'm just <laughs> sitting there watching that game like I don't even know what to say anymore. This is so good. I'm so happy right now because this game's amazing. And uh, of course, the world rejoiced when Ronaldo got his moment at the end once more. <laughs> it's just a thing. He's just he's, he's always there. Like you know, you want you want someone to do something in a in a clutch moment. I don't know. Can I pick Ronaldo? Can he do it? He's he's just incredible. Um, he's he's unreal. I you know I it, he's tough to like in a lot of ways. Uh, allegedly behind the scenes, he's you know really nice to kids. I I don't know anything about any of that, but you know he's got the tax issues. Um, 
<laughs> and and everything else. But my God, he just fucking performs in every circumstance, and you just gotta tip your hat to that. You can't you can't not admire that ability. Whether you whether you hate everything else about him, like he, he deserves respect for that, and he did it again and again in that game. And it and it's funny because like you know the last game he played. Uh, you know, competitive game he played was um, the Champions League final, and he had a quiet game, which is you know the nature of the modern striker, which he's kind of become. If you can have a quiet game, <laughs> it can happen. And so people are already like, eh, well, he wasn't that good in that game. And then what next thing happens against Spain gets a hat trick. You know, well, people have been trying to write him off as washed up for the entire season. Yeah, and he keeps thinking- the first half of the season he struggled. The second half of the season he was a god. And then he he had a quiet game in the Champions League final, and then hey wow he's back to being a god. I'm pretty sure that he's just a variable god. <laughs> so who's better, Messi? Or- no, we're not doing that. Oh Jesus god, <laughs> Lord above, <laughs> do that. <laughs> what are you doing to us, James? Yeah right. Uh, but yeah, Spain. Uh, Spain looked like they had a lot. Um, they looked very decent, I think. Um, and again, a lot of strength in depth, ridiculous strength in depth. Um, Spain had a few dumb mistakes that cost them goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Basically, even with those mistakes, Ronaldo still had to, to bail out Portugal. Like Spain, Spain looked very strong and, exactly. and very together as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, a penalty free kick and a goalkeeper blunder. You know, they, you won't concede that every game. <laughs> it's, it's just that's you know, Spain you probably feel a little bit. Luckily, it doesn't matter for them, but um, you feel a little bit aggrieved that, that things didn't quite go their way. There you go. If, if only you could portion luck up into segments, then you'd put it all, you'd pull it in, all in your first game, wouldn't you? Get rid of all the, ba- <laughs> all the bad luck in your first game. Get rid of it. But yeah, I think they're they're fine. Maybe Spain are as as good as, good as anyone, like you know, on one game's viewing, uh, possibly. Um, one one more favorite to mention. Just the French, isn't it? Allez les bleus. Again. The squad looks like it's all there. Loads of nice, nice-looking players, young players, promising players, peak players, and then they all go on the pitch, and once more we just kind of shrug and say, "Oi vey, what is this?" <laughs> That's not French, anyway. You've, you've, you've gone Jewish all of a sudden. <laughs> Apologies, that wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, they were, they just didn't really kind of get going, did they? They were a bit. Well, it took an own goal to, mm. and there have been a lot of those. Um, took an own goal to to get them the win. Um, only twelve shots. Like mm. that's that, that's really kind of embarrassing a bit. Um, yeah, and it's not like Australia were creating anything. They did barely any. No, they? So, so I guess there's not much openness. But it's really just an ongoing problem with the French for years. Uh, from the like Dominic was a mess, and players kind of performed despite him until they rebelled. And Didier Deschamps is also a mess. Like he doesn't, he doesn't actually set this team up in any sort of way that maximizes almost any of these players' skill sets. They, they almost sort of have games despite the system. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was. I've, I've only seen a couple of things, but the, the next for the next game, there was a projected lineup I saw yesterday, and it was, it was, uh, it was number one. It was different. I think the formation was different too, and it was like, right, okay, that's maybe fine, but. It feels a bit <laughs> reactive to. You should be more on top of this, Mister Deschamps. And it feels like he just feels like, in some ways, he just isn't. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know what what it is about the the French side that means they don't, can't click. They, if they do get their shit together, they can certainly um, contend. You know, there's no no point being uh, entirely down on them so early in the competition. But yeah, it was just just a flat performance, and 
you know, you, you can't really draw too much to get excited about from it. Did you watch the uh, the Belgium game? Um, no, that was funny enough. I was driving, so I was, did was, not watch that as well. So we can't really comment on that. But a three 0 win was uh, was good. So yeah, well, I read, read I read around it, and it took said it it took them time to to break down. Panama, but you know, <laughs> Belgian Premier League All Stars. You know, it just feels like <laughs> that's what they are. The six, about six, like absolute top-notch Premier League players. You know, in, as the spine of their team. Um, so, yeah, was it? Someone else said that like, if Belgium and England went and won, then everyone would get excited about their chances because because everyone else hasn't really kind of put it together. Mm. And yeah, I mean, it, well what's the problem whoever like gets out of England's group and runs into Germany or Brazil and yeah <laughs> and let's you know let's be fair Panama is yeah, good for them for being here but no one's really expecting much because they're one of the weakest teams to make it out of one of the weakest federations so yeah I, I, I don't yeah I don't think Belgium were hugely impressive in that game from you know the secondary knowledge I've got so I try to watch all the games you know I'm trying to be preparing here but I, life goes on um, so I, I, I did just I did just preface England's fall off a cliff, by the way, right? Like, <laughs> because I, England's next match is Panama on Sunday, so if they fail to perform, <laughs> something will go wrong somewhere along the way. Somewhere <laughs> an injury or some comical bit of bad luck. It's just the England way. Um, but uh, what else can we talk about? Any surprises of the World Cup? Anything you got there? Uh, well, I mean, part of it yesterday was caused by the red card, but the the Japanese performance against Colombia um, was mm. a pretty big surprise, at least in terms of like overall. Um, Senegal was not a surprise, but it was really exciting to see them do well. Um, that team, that team played really fast. Like I, many of so, this isn't racist. Like I, I'm very aware of the the context around it, but we still have to be able to describe the style. Um, many of the the African teams have not played fast, even though you know you might have expected them to to play a bit more on the break. But Senegal were really good at, at pressing when needed, and then like their counterattack was really excellent. Um, and I think they they have a lot of pace across that front line. Like you know, Mane on the ball more as a ten as opposed to a wide attacker was kind of interesting and, and created some very difficult uh, decisions for for Polish defenders. So they were like really fun to to watch and. Uh, I thought that was like an interesting matchup because like Poland, Poland don't have to be bad. Like they're pretty good. They've they've done quite well throughout Europe um, in the last two years. And then the the home nation. What do we think of them? Yeah, what a side! Just absolutely demolishing the World Cup. I'd say I was had a brief thought because when you said, "Oh, you know, any surprises?" So I think, well, not really, is there? And then like Russia kind of floated into my mind. And I was thinking, when was the last time I saw a Russia side that was that was impressive? And I honestly think. I think it was like 1986. So I think they won. They put six goals past someone. I can't remember who it was, but it, that Russia just aren't ever very good. That's that's the point there. So like mm-hmm. the fact they've come out here and um, you know, they're comfortably beating bad sides, but you know they've done it and you know with a r- rabid uh, crowd behind them, home na- home advantage, then no one's really going to want to face the Russians at any point right now. And no, it's a it's a tough matchup. Like the the very excited crowd, like you know that they're going to get a lot of ref calls. Um, yeah, they, you're hoping that somebody knocks them out before you have to face them because we have seen. Like this isn't just us saying this. We have seen some obscene uh, sort of shifts uh, for home nations, whether that be Korea yeah. um, 
in in the 2002, or whether it be like the the Hamas game where like Brazil were just basically allowed to brutalize Hamas throughout the entirety of the game. Something like 35 fouls without a, a card. <laughs> I, I'm not. It's just like this egregious. Um, and I, I remember being like really really angry about that match because it felt so unfair. You're like, it's like David and Goliath, and and Goliath just keeps beating him. It's like a Rocky match, except for Hamas can't can't fight back. Um, so that w- that was a tough one. So like yes, we think that that Russia's going to be pretty tough to play, maybe a bit more so than anybody expected. Um, Iran are currently top of the group. <laughs> one the game, they didn't get the win. Yeah, but, I mean they they weren't much caught, but they got yeah they got the surprise result out of it. So that was a you know a, a congratulations to them. Yeah, I mean this is it. You, you've basically got to not get knocked out after one game, haven't you? That's <laughs> preferably still be in it after two. Third game, make sure you get through. And uh, the one game that we do have to flag that mm. I think is really important to flag is uh, Peru's performance versus Denmark because you know we look at the stats and most of these have kind of gone as you'd expected. Um, yeah, the one-one draws for for the big teams are often you know they get behind early and then chalked up a, a bunch of expected goals and a bunch of shots. But Peru had like at least in some models I saw had two expected goals and, and Denmark were like you know 0.75. Peru are pretty fun to watch too. Like that yeah. was and and Denmark aren't aren't sleep like they're they're a good team. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel. I think everyone fell for Peru a little bit after that game, and you, you sorry they lost it, but. Um, it, that was weird because they started off the first 10-15 minutes Peru had loads of the ball and then just the terrible shot selection it looked like they'd never never even you know no, no one had ever even mentioned that you could get the ball into the box you know 30 yarders and wild shots and you thought what kind of team is this they don't know what they're doing and then as the game wore on they just created like stronger and stronger chances and, and it was almost as if they just got a few sighters in early and then now we're going to go to work and it, you know Obviously, they got sucker punched by uh, a breakaway goal. But, yeah, Peru looked fun. You know, hopefully they can uh, win the next game, at least at least stay competitive until the last group game, and we can enjoy them a little bit more. Because you know, a few of the models rated Peru um, beforehand, and you looked at the squad and you thought, well, I, you know, don't see where that quality is in there. But they... they they were a great unit. They really were. Well, uh, and they tasty. came out of a very tough group, right? Like that, mm. that federation is so hard. Uh, you come out of Copa Bowl, you're pretty good. Like Chile sitting at home, <clears throat> and yeah. they've won Copa America within recent times and have a great, well, had at one point a great squad. Pretty old now. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else that we should cover here? Unless you want to talk more about set pieces, penalties, own goals, and other such things, then we. Can... I think. I think we should flag up the the penalties thing because, like, you've talked a little bit about it, and um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a thing right now. It's weird though because, like, you know, near all of the penalties. Well, they're penalties. Like players are making challenges and errors that deserve a penalty. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, that is it just a, some small sample going on with a little bit of a soupçon of VAR on top? I don't know. There, um, there could be ten more. Yeah. Uh, they, given some of the, the the holds in the box and, and the things we've seen that have been fairly ridiculous, there could easily be another, another ten penalties. And then people would be like, oh, they're calling too many penalties. But these are obvious penalties. Like, what yeah, do you want them to do? Exactly. As the rules, you know, the rules <laughs> state, then if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And, yeah, I mean... 
even the I think the, the France one, which you know got called by VAR, like a, a ref could give that. It's it's you know it's it wasn't that out of the realms that you know a ref could just give that on the spot. And yeah, I, I had no problem with the Walker one either. Like it's just a dumb brain fart one, but it seemed like a pretty obvious penalty. Yeah, well, I mean that didn't even go to VAR. But I mean that 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 if that felt I don't know that felt a bit wet to me, but. But it's you know, fine, right? Like you can argue it, it but like you're you're just like literally arguing it for the point. You're not arguing and saying, "Well, that's ridiculous. It should never happen." <laughs> like it, yeah. it just happened. You just saw it. Um, but yeah, like the takedowns have been pretty ridiculous, and this is already like the the World Cup of, of set pieces. Um, I don't know. Is it is it just sloppy defending? Is it because we have like 36 cameras in the <laughs> in the stadium and we're getting like all of these cuts and you see every single problem every time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is it. Var knows. You know, I mean, it, uh, that was that was my theory that um, going forward that you know basically players will learn just to like not do anything sketchy in the box. You'd think they'd be doing that already, and then like, you watch a corner and there's literally people suplexing other guys in there, and or still. It's like you probably don't want to be doing that right now. Well, I, I think I think the natural equilibrium of this is that goal scoring goes up a bit either way because either you're not defending uh, as well because yeah, yeah. you can't be as physical or, or make those fouls without and get away with them, or you can't make those fouls and and people are just getting better chances. And so like you, because of of this sort of structure and a little bit of the VAR stuff, you will see more scoring and penalties are the current result, but they don't have to be the long-term result. It could just be, like, defending that isn't as physical, and we've seen that in other sports, too. Like, NHL, you know, took away some of the physical defending side of it. NBA took away some of the physical defending side because it makes a better product, and and I think that's true. Like, if we if they're able to, to initially have a, a time period where, where VAR or however they ref causes more penalties to be called initially and then the equilibrium is that defenders like you know stop doing things to get penalties called that means that players are able to use their skill more uh in order to to create better goals and more goals then i think that 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 works a little bit for everybody and yeah i mean this this vaguely interests me because like every single every single action creates a further action which creates a further action which creates a further action and this is very much the exact case. Like you have to think through every single possible like outcome. Uh, if you change, if you tweak this one rule just a little bit, then you know the butterfly effect from that is is can be quite large. Although you know you'd hope it settled down. Um, the guy called uh, Luke who works at Pinnacle uh, sent me an article he'd written um, when I commented on this on Twitter about uh, Serie A because Serie A had have had VAR this last season and penalties went up from I think 110. Uh, I think an average of 110, I think he said. Uh, I might not be 100% correct on that. Up, up to 119 this last season. Mm. No, that's not. That doesn't feel like it's, it's significant in, you know, any particular way. It's uh, not a huge leap. But yeah, to, just to see, it'd be interesting to see when we get more leagues with VAR if if um, if it does kind of settle down, as you would kind of expect. Or we're in some new world of penalties. Specialist being the most valuable players in the world. So we will be back at the end of each round, and I've got a little bit of housekeeping stuff, so stick around. Don't stop the podcast yet. Uh, one, we are releasing free data on our resource center, um, free women's NWSL data. We'll continue doing that uh, this summer for that league, and then we'll pick it up with some of the other women's leagues uh, in the autumn. Um, in addition to that, we have great content every day on statsbomb.com. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, we're starting to do a little more social media stuff with our own 
uh, World Cup data, which we have been collecting, and uh, we haven't been tweeting much of it because, like, unlike other people, we like to have a little more to talk about and a little more time to to look at this type of stuff. But we'll start to to get more things out there. We'll get some some cool leaderboard ideas going. Um, anything else you want to mention, James? No, it's all good. You know, keep tuning into Statsbomb and all our wide organization creates. It's all good. Great. Well, thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the games. I know, I know, you guys, uh, you know, fitting this podcast into the the very busy content schedule is tough. But if you like our stuff, you know, please tell your friends and uh, and keep giving us support and the other writers, especially your support. Thanks a lot. I'll, I'll review this and we'll have thirty listeners and we'll be like, right, we're not doing that again. Anyway, <laughs> bye all. Bye. <laughs>